So what I thought we'd do tonight is two things. One is, is um, I have a, a, something I'd like to teach you called Keys to Becoming an Ineffective Worship Leader. And before you think of, well, that's, I'm, I just play an instrument, I'm not a worship leader. Look, if you're on the stage, you're influencing people, you're leading worship. And if you're part of the team, if you're back in the back, you're leading worship. You know? And for that matter, now I'll keep, I'll keep going. If you're influencing your brothers and sisters around you, sitting wherever you're sitting, you're leading worship, right? It's a little bit different things. but um, So these are some things that, that, some of these are really applicable for all of us. Some of them are specifically for what happens when we lead from the front. So I want to do that first, and then, and then I want to um, we'll talk some things about music, some ideas about, um, because I, it's just, we're always growing in that, because in that, that's our main tool. Right, it remains the the thing that we get to use is music. So we'll we'll talk some about that, and that's what the, the second uh, two pages are. I'm not sure if we'll go through that in much. We'll see how we go through how much detail, um, just to, kind of depending on where we go. And then for each key that I'll give you tonight, there's um, as you can see on your notes, I believe um, there's the key, and then there's the antidote to being ineffective. So it's kind of like. You know what, like a like a, a vaccine or whatever it is, it's a little bit of the the actual disease, and that helps your body build up antibodies to it. So I'm going to give you the disease, but also with the antidote. So, hey, you know these are things that that a teacher or speaker can never account for ever. <laughs> and then, uh, seriously, a steam engine came by the church. Wow. Let's dive in. You ready? Uh, the number one way to be an ineffective worship leader is to fear man. Yeah, yeah, nobody's done that in here, so we'll just go to the next one. Just kidding. So I'll start with a, a little story about me doing this and being ineffective in that. I, was, I, I, get, I get to guest worship lead out a lot, and, and so there was this one church I'd been to a couple times, and the pastor liked what I did, but he was like, it's really kind of demanding. Like he he wanted things a certain way, and he wanted things that were like peppy and energetic. And I was like, man, what if what if I'm just not feeling those kinds of songs this week? What what am I going to do if I like get something and choose something different that he doesn't like? Um, you know, and and <laughs> when I show up somewhere like that, you know, I also am thinking, well, I'm there as a worship coach, so that's probably how I'm going to be introduced. You know, and so like. I should know what I'm doing, and if I show up and my my set is you know not so good, what are people going to think? And so I have all this stuff going on uh, in my head, and, and partway through that that experience, I I, uh, I got a, I think I posted I might have posted a video about that, just, could, just kind of you know trying to get it out and trying to get through that that planning problem. Um, and I had one guy saying something about you know um, the the kingdom. Uh, don't don't let don't let the weight of trying to build the kingdom of God be on your shoulders, you know, all all by yourself for that moment. And at that moment, I realized I wasn't trying to move the kingdom of do anything. I was trying to please this guy. I was like, oh no, oh, I didn't hold on a second. And my whole thought changed anyway. But that would that just tripped me up completely. That was like this last this last year sometime. So it was recent. Um, so, you know, so sometimes you're up here and, you know, some people are standing out there with their arms crossed. You know, they gave you the, I'm worshiping God and I love what you're doing vibe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you 
you know, or, or, or sometimes you, you get this idea, you get this thought, a little compulsion, you know, you're like, oh, I feel like I should do this, but I'm like, ah, oh, but what would, what are people going to think? You know, you have that thought in your head that comes in, like, I would do that, but I'm just, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I believe that true freedom is experienced when you kill the fear of man, um, when you're intentional about leading in uncomfortable places. I think that's a good place to be in. Um, I, I like, this is a really crazy verse that's actually in the Bible. This is in the New Living Translation. It's Jeremiah 1.17. And it says, Get up and prepare for action. Go out and tell them everything that I tell you to say. Do not be afraid of them, or I will make you look foolish in front of them. <laughs> Don't be afraid of them, or I'm going to make you look like an idiot. Okay. You know? What do you do with that? You know, how many times are you up in front of people and you're, you want to do something, you want to play something, you want to sing something or say something, and you're just like, I don't know, I feel like, I don't know. And God's like, hey, look, I'll help you with that. <laughs> if, so if, so if, you, if you let the fear of man get in you, God will help you um, look like an idiot. Uh, now check this out. Fear of man makes it almost impossible to, to hear God. Uh, Bill Johnson out of Bethel said that, the uh, the voice that you hear the, the the voice that's the loudest is the one that you fear the most. The voice that's the loudest is the one that you fear the most. And if if I'm trying to <clears throat> if I'm trying to hear God, and I'm fearing man, and there that voice that like oh, I don't know is louder than God, it's going to be really tough for me to hear what God is saying, and it's going to be really hard for me to go anywhere where He's He's uh, telling us to go. So. The antidote, of course, is to, as Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. So the antidote to fearing man is fearing God. Um, <clears throat> the next one is ignoring man. Ignore man, the second one. Um, now, because I get out so often, I, I, need to, I need to find out really quickly, usually before I'm even there, what's the church like? You know, what are you guys used to worship-wise? You know, so I have this whole, this whole list of questions that I send out before I go lead somewhere so I can kind of find out. I ask them, like, um, uh, what songs do you sing? How many songs do you usually sing? How long do you sing? Because sometimes, you know, people sing two songs for half an hour. Sometimes, you know, yeah, we sing six songs. We go for, like, you know, 20 minutes. Okay, that's, that's not how I do it, so that's good for, good for me to know, right? Um, what songs have you been doing recently? What's, what's in your master song list? What's your worship style? What's your leader's vision for the service? Um, I want to know all those things because every place is different, and I want to I I be aware of that. Um, so one of the, the reasons I say that is you know, Dan Wilt, uh, who's a, a guy who does uh, worshiptraining.com, and he, he, he describes our role as a worship leader as creating a space for people to meet with God. And I love that, that idea because it's kind of, there's this assumption that all of us here are, whether we're aware of it or not, have this yearning inside of us saying, when can I go and meet with God? When can I go and be with God? I just want to be, I just want to be with him. Uh, either, so either we're like longing for that or, or, or we're, and we're not aware that that's that longing, or we're like really like, I just got to be with Jesus right now. So I'm going to assume that that's, that that's the case. And so in that spirit, I'm going to say, hey, why not here? Why not now? I know you have that yearning in you, so why not here? Why not right now? And I'm going to try to create the space for us to meet with God that way. So um, uh, knowing who is 
in the space that you're leading, knowing who's here really should affect how you're leading because it's different. Um, if 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 the, the different kinds of people are here, it's gonna it's gonna be a different dynamic. So, um, <clears throat> you know, um, this guy named Kelly Ballard uh, talks about this thing called an indigenous worship voice, like the native worship voice, and every church has their their own voice, their own thing, um, uh, and, and maybe 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 your church's indigenous worship voice, like the real, like this is their our core. Um, is hymns or includes hymns, um, and and so so I always encourage us. Hey, look, find that out. What is what is that voice that you guys have? And like, if if that's not your particular deal, like you don't really like certain things, still sing them and use them in ways that um, you're you would you would hope that people who don't dig your style of stuff would sing your stuff. So, for example, like let's say I'm really into hymns, but I like you know. Jesus culture is just really kind of youthy and weird. I don't dig them, but I'm leading worship. So what do I do? You know, do I do some of both? If if I know that there's people that I'm creating the space for, are are there and said that well, this is really like their music and they're part of us. So this is going to be our music, and so I'm going to do a Jesus culture song that's just. I'm going to do it with as much vigor and vim as I do the old rugged cross, or flip that scenario around and say, you know what, I didn't grow up with hymns, I don't really know or care, you know, so, you know, sometimes churches will have their rules, and they'll say, okay, well, I want you to do at least one hymn every Sunday, because people like that, so do one hymn, and that is, to me, it's like a last-ditch effort, that's, that, that rule has to be in place, because the people who are picking the songs and who are leading aren't thinking of who's in the room, right, they're, they're ignoring man, they're, they're forgetting who we're leading, and so I, I, you know, I don't want to like play my four songs. Yeah, and I just love God, and then we get to, the, and now we're going to do a hymn. It's like no, I want to, I want to. This is part of our voice, and we need to say it in the same way with the same zeal and the same yes that we're doing the stuff that's native to us. So, anyway, um, you know, we we have to realize that 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 they're people, that they're humans that we're leading, the actual people that. Have experiences. So let me give you a little a little cycle in this in this ignoring man uh, piece um, that I kind of go through sometimes. Um, well, I go through often as I'm leading worship. Um, so the, the, there's uh, five pieces to the cycle. The first is connect with people, and then I give direction, and then I set the tone, and then I point God out, and then I get out of the way. And I'll say those again. I connect with people. I give direction. I set the tone, I point God out, and then I get out of the way. So, connect with people. Um, hey, would, it, would I lead worship differently than if it's a, it's a half full room, a completely empty room? Like, would I do something different if it was, you know, all people over the age of 70 in the room? Would I lead different if it's, uh, you know, all 15 and under in the room? You know, I had a college professor that I'm, I'm pretty sure that it would not have mattered if we would have not been in the classroom. He still would have talked the same way and talked about his stuff and told us what to do. And just, it was just like, he was oblivious to us. Have you ever had really boring teachers? They just don't, they're just like, ah, you don't, you know I'm here, right? Do you see me? <laughs> um, so, but we can lead worship like that. So, so, so connect with the people, be personable. Um, and I, this is probably one of the biggest things that, 
we naturally do, especially as worship leaders, but everybody on the team gets to this at a certain extent. But we have this deal that we close people off to be able to connect with our souls. We close people off to see into us. And, and you just can't be an effective communicator and connector with your eyes shut. It's weird. It's just weird. But we do it all the time when we're singing, don't we? Because we're just with Jesus. And, you know, I have to force myself, literally. I'll be like, okay, and sometimes I'm hiding because I'm nervous or something's not going right or whatever, and I'm hiding. And I'm like, okay, hold on, hold on. Nobody can really connect with me, and I need to, I don't need to, like, look at people and stare at them in the face because that's weird too. (laughs) But a a good, kind of a good rule of thumb, if you will, is kind of look over, just slightly over people's heads. You know, look around so that you're not like making eye contact necessarily with people because that, if you're singing to Jesus and I exalt thee, gets really awkward. Or like, we will embrace, right? We will, you know, you don't want to go there. So, so but, but keeping, I mean, there's something about being able to connect with who's, who you're leading, who you're creating the space for, and having your eyes open is just a big deal. And it's hard because it, we, we just want to shut our eyes. And that's, it's real, it's real natural <laughs> to, to shut our eyes. But um, that, that doesn't help the, 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 the connection with people happen. Um, give direction, tell the people, tell people where we're going. Number, uh, the, second, the second part of that. Uh, give direction, tell people where, where we're going. You know, is there something different that's happening that, that, that service? Tell them that. You know, you're doing something... You know, set them up so that, so that so that they have some direction about where they're going. Capture teaching moments. You know, um, I just I love I love reinterpreting things in a fresh way because I've been with Jesus for a long time, and sometimes the same truth doesn't have the sparkle that it had before, right? And so I want to hear it in a new way. I want to hear it in a fresh way. Or sometimes people are just brand new with Jesus, or they're not even connected yet, and they don't know. <laughs> And so if I can say things and just, just capture little sh- small teaching moments about who God is or about something that, that's relevant to what we're doing, if I can capture that and say it in a fresh way, then suddenly people who don't know now know, and people who are, are, are over-churched, as I say sometimes, um, they've, just, they've been in here so long that nothing's new anymore. Nothing's fresh. Nothing's like exciting and real. You know? So if I can say that in ways that, 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 get, that catch them, um, and encourage participation. You know, it's okay to ask. Uh, I have some worship leaders, you know, say, um, "Would you be willing to?" Or, "What would it look like if you?" Or, you know, have used real kind of open-handed, "Hey, would you like some?" Kind of language, not like, "Now let's do this. Go, yeah." You could do that sometimes because sometimes we need to be bold. We need to like wake people up because they're asleep. But there's just something about, about um, encouraging participation in, in a way that kind of has an open hand. Like, hey, i got some really good stuff here. Do you want some? You know. So uh, set the tone, letter C, or the third one. Um, uh, kind of, hey, this is where we're going. We're going we're gonna to give our hearts in, in devotion to Jesus. We're going to engage our spirits, our minds. You know, we're going to give our attitudes, our affections wholly to him. This is where we're going. This is... Not about music or you know whatever you want to say, but you're kind of setting that tone and creating the culture of, of what you're about to do. Um, point God out. You know, on on Sunday I said one of the definitions of worship is it's our response to the revelation of God. So 
so our job isn't to isn't to enable the 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 response so much it's to enable the revelation in other words i want to point god out i want to i want to i want to help direct our focus to him because when we see god natural response is we're going to worship so i don't necessarily have to say you know did you see god or that's kind of but you know like i don't i don't i don't need to focus my my primary job as a leader isn't to isn't to enable the revelation. I'm sorry, enable the the response. It's to enable people to be able to see the Lord. Um, uh, and then the last one is get out of the way. Don't be a distraction. Don't don't try to get attention. Just kind of slip into the background. You know, go from being the worship leader if you're the worship leader to being like the lead worshiper. You know, if you can kind of make that thing, just kind of be back in. You, know, you don't always need to be this because you don't want to be the center of attention, right? That's what Jesus is among us as. And so, but there's times where we give leadership to things and then we come in, say something, connect with people, give direction, set the tone, and then kind of step back and get out of the way. And that's, that's kind of a repeating thing that happens, can happen you know, just at the beginning, but then all through the set, there's moments. I mean, Jason was doing it tonight when there was a moment that we needed some direction, he stepped in, gave that. But he wasn't talking the whole time, right? You notice that? That's good. That's good. So the antidote to that one is be connected to those you're leading. Um, and, it, and, and I said that be connected as in kind of an ongoing thing, not just like connect with them. Because you're not just kind of like, okay, I connected with them, now I can go on and do my thing. But like live because you're together. Be connected to them, you know? Talk to each other when you're not up on stage. All right. They're not all this long, so that's a good thing. The next thing to do to be ineffective and as a worship leader is to ignore God. Has anybody ever here both sogged? Any both soggers here? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's something I, I made up, so none of you have ever done that. But both sog is just an acronym for blowing off the Holy Spirit of God. It means when you get a little prompting, you get a little like, hey, Dave, do this. And you don't, like, eh, don't do that. That's kind of boss-sogging. And you don't want to do that. Um, I had a small nudging to, to, to get one of the flags tonight and use it during worship. And I, I've never connected at all with that. I'm just like, ah, eh, that's fine. But I'm just not into that at all. And I was like, God, really? Okay, if they, huh? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think. I don't think so. Um, but I, you know, I, I kind of, I was kind of like, uh, someone like having, you know, singing the songs and having this conversation in my head. And I don't know if I, if I would call that blowing them off. Maybe I did blow them off a little bit. Sorry, God. But, but part of part of of our role as as leaders is is to really lead people further into the kingdom and, and more to see that happen more. Um, and, and, you know, I always want to show up to God's party. I don't, I don't want to ask God to show up to my party. And so I just want to be tuned into what he's saying, what he's doing, um, listening to his voice and being really active in that. And so that's, that's the, the, the antidote is to actively listen to God instead of ignoring God. Um, and that's then that's sometimes tricky, especially when the, there's so much going on in your head, and you're playing, and you're leading, and you're singing, and you're all this stuff's going on. And how do I listen to God in this moment? I'm just trying to make sure I play, I play an A sharp and not an A flat or whatever, you know? Because there's a lot going on, right? 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so, which, parenthetically, that's one of the reasons why it's fun to have two worship leaders that are leading together. You know, when you trade off songs, the other, the other person is leading and you're playing, you can kind of back off and kind of assess, okay, God, what are you saying? Is there anything that you, you know, and you're not, because you're not as primary anymore. And use that moment to, like, you know, retune in and focus more on what he's saying. And then that way, when it's your turn again, then you can kind of lead there. So, the next key is to watch the clock. Huh. Watch the clock. You, you mean you want me to be completely unaware of time, Dave? No. What I'm saying is this. I, I'm, I've, I've been in situations where I'm leading worship, um, and sometimes, you know, it's like, hey, you can just go, and when you're done, we'll go to the next part of the service. And sometimes it's like, why don't you go like 22, 20, 20 to 22 minutes? It'd be great. Um, and so I, okay, sure, I, I can do that, because that's fine. We can go there. Um, but, but, but sometimes I've been in that place, and I'm in like a minute like 19. I know I have about two, you know, two minutes left or so, one or two minutes left. And I turn the God question off. I mean, I'm not even at, I don't need to ask God anything because I know that in a minute or two minutes, I got to stop. So there's no, there's no breaking in here, God. You're not going to tell me, give me any kind of direction outside of, no, just, you know, just going to turn that off. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely into, it's super important to be under authority, you know, whenever you're leading, to know who, what, what, who you're honoring as you're leading, because that's that's a big deal. Being under authority is a, it's a wonderfully safe place. <laughs> you don't want to go outside of that. Um, but but what I'm talking about is 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 being so constrained during your set that you're not even asking God the question. It's like, well, I know we have these three songs. And I can linger a little bit on this one, but then we're it. that's it, because we gotta, we got to be done. So, you know, good luck telling me anything, God. <laughs> um, so the antidote to watching the clock is this, is, is plan well. And that means that you plan with space, or you plan with margin. Or a real practical thing is you plan less than what you need. Right? So you have to be in a place of asking God the question, like, hey, is there anything else? You just, you just want to plan well. Plan with space, plan with margin, and plan less than you need. Which reminds me of the next one. It says, always follow the plan. That's a key to be ineffective. Always follow the plan. I, I believe that I can be spirit-led days, weeks, and months in advance. Yep. I mean, I can completely forget what I've planned, come in and lead it, and it's, it's fresh and it's good. I can also not have much of a plan and just come in and kind of wing it. And sometimes um, they say that sometimes when you're you're flying by the seat of your pants, you're really only filling your pants, and that's that's not good. Because <laughs> um, really, I, I mean, and, and um, yeah. In fact, when I was on the air, I had my station manager said, "Dave, you like to like ad lib a lot, but I got to tell you, you're not as good at ad libbing as you think you are." Okay. This this guy particularly like writes everything down, so he's real like I write everything down and I say it, you know, just just like I wrote it down. But but um anyway I I think I think part of our, our ability that we need to grow is is to do a thorough job of planning and then keep holding it lightly and hold it up to the light and say, Hey God, is this is this is this still good? Because I'm 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 fine with having a plan and I'm okay with not having a plan. 
Um, I, Bob Steele's a, a pastor over in Mechanicsburg or in Camp Hill. And I love it. This is the first time I'd ever heard a church leader say this. And he says, hey, um, we have, we, we, we call our Sunday plan our plan B. And it's the best plan B that we can make it. And we, we listen to God, we, we, we talk, we strategize, we get creative. But we realize that it's plan B. God still has the best plan. So he might preempt that. And we're just, we're just kind of saying it by calling it plan B. We're saying that God might have a different plan. And he has a higher plan. As much as we plan, as much as we try, it's a plan B. And that's just what we call it. I think it's even at the top of their like order of service. You know, It's like plan B. It's like, I love that. That's great. Um, and my sister is a Spanish professor down in Tennessee. And she, she says that some of her best classes that she teaches, some of like the, the actual, like that one class, happen when she's prepared and then she veers off of that. And she just does something completely different or something, you know, significant. But, but so sometimes she's tried to not plan because it's like, well, isn't that better if you just go without no plan? And those are usually terrible. Because <laughs> it's like, it's, it's good. You've done the work and you've planned and you've gone there and then, and then you can go somewhere off of that because you've done kind of the pre-work and that's, and that's, and that's prepared you. So, um, the, the, the anecdote, the, the antidote, not the anecdote, the antidote, the antidote, there we go, is to, to expect the unexpected. Instead of always following a plan, hey, look, expect the unexpected. Make a good plan and then expect the unexpected. Start and stop will make you nice and ineffective. Um, what you do in between songs, often the congregation will do. If you stop, if you're like checking out and doing like, okay, and I know sometimes you have to flip our music and um, or it just whatever we do, the congregation tends to, tends to do too. And, and we, we're a super ADD culture and, uh, you know, it doesn't take but that long. And then like, oh, like, steam engine, cool. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Uh. So here's the, here's the application, the prophetic application. If you stop unintentionally or un, 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 yeah, intentionally without reason, there might be a steam engine that, that drives past and, and people just get completely distracted with what God was doing. That sound pretty good? Um, Tom, uh, Tom Croyder says, says it's... Uh, it's helpful to create a flow during a service. Jumping back and forth between different types of songs or even continually stopping and starting can be very disruptive to worshipers. So use medleys of songs. You can use musical transitions, songs in the same meter or key, thematically corrected, connected songs, flowing uh, from one right into the other. And this, this continuity will create a comfortable atmosphere that allows participants to focus on the Lord instead of wondering, what's happening next? Um, I mean, I think Jason did a great job of like just boom, 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 boom. The song didn't stop. Just next song, and I'm not thinking about anything other than I'm still locked in. You know, that that really that little tool um, will help you do that. And sometimes it's it's tricky to you know find songs that work well together. Um, <laughs> and sometimes we just make them work together, even though they don't. That's a different story, though. Um, but here's here's a, a cool a cool training thing. Um, <clears throat> There, there, there's this, you know, the top, the CCLI, the, they have like a top CCLI 100 songs that are the most uh, common, 
or popular songs in the, in the U.S. right now, based on the reporting. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so this, this drummer took those songs and broke those songs down into six different drum, drum grooves. Um, they all have the same the same basic groove to them. Each each of the songs in those six categories. And I took that and I shifted it into guitar. Um, and I mean, they're the same songs, but I put them in in sections like that. So you can see, you know, okay, with this song, you just either speed it up or slow it down a little bit, or maybe it's the exact same tempo, and you can just you strum and and sing right through all six or eight songs in that section without even stopping, and it it's got the same groove, the same feel to it. Um, so you can use that as a as a kind of a an idea generator to see what kinds of songs might work together. Um, if you go to the, my website, the addthemusic.com, and go to resources and training audio, huh? If you go to adlibmusic.com, A-D-L-I-B-M-U-S-I-C, Mickey Mouse, dot com. Oh, it's on the bottom of the page. No? Oh, adlibmusic, yeah. Adlibmusic.com. Um, you go to resources, and then training audio, and look for the acoustic guitar workshop. And then there's a PDF of this thing on there. It's not the easiest way to tell you how to get there, but if you want to email me, just call, you know, funny white dude at adthemusic.com. You can say anything at adthemusic.com and it'll come to me. So Dave is the most normal address there. Um, but here, here's here's a, a really important thing in, in the in the in the in the flow creation, in the in the avoiding stopping and starting. And that is, if you think about, uh, if you start thinking about the, the next song after you've stopped the one you're on, you're too late, right? You gotta, you gotta think of, of, you gotta learn really quick things to get you into the next song, kind of as the one song is winding down. Right? And I, I don't even like to, to start a song unless I know what song is next, so I can be thinking about how I'm finishing this one. I mean, it's kind of a, a subtle thing I do in the background of my head. Um, but but you know finding a, a a memory peg is something that kind of gets you into the feel of the song in like one to three seconds that you can you can do quickly. Um, so so some things that that I've used um, are like um, maybe a, a phrase that kind of puts you in the right tempo. You know the song uh, every day it's you I live for right. Well if you start that song on the every day it's you I live for it could be fine. But if you go back into the chorus. What to say, Lord? It's you gave me life, and I can't explain it just how. It's a really wordy song. If you go too fast, you're in trouble. So, my, yep. <laughs> um, so if if so, my memory peg for that song is the phrase "I give all I give all that I am to you," because if I if I say in, in my head I can, I'm finishing out a song, and I think I give all that I am to you, and and suddenly I'm right in that I give all that I want to. Three, four, every day, it's you I live for. And then I'm right in, the, in a good groove for when I go back to the chorus or to the verses. Because I would, that song, particularly every day, it's you. I wouldn't normally think about giving that much space and being that, it feels slow. But because I've done the other part, I know the tempo. So that's, that's like my memory peg for that song. Um, The tempo, the tempo, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. And sometimes I'll hear like a, um, an intro, um, the older song, Hungry. 
Remember that recording? It had that, that drum intro. And I'm right into that. It's it's because I've heard that so much. It's like stuck in my head forever, you know. Or a newer song. Um, uh, Nothing can separate, even if I ran away. Dun, dun, dun. I'm hearing the like. I'm I'm listening in my head to the recording right now. Dun, the electric guitar starting out. Dun, dun, dun. And so that, but that I'm getting really quickly so that I know if I'm starting off the song, I can set it because tempo is such a huge deal. Anyway, sorry, it's a lot of, a lot of time talking about that. Um, I'll keep going. Um, get this though, ready? This stop and start. We're not done with that. You can practice transitions. I know. Even before you get to practice, if you see, because the goal is to practice at home and to come here to rehearsal to put things together. Because that's a rehearsal. That's what you do at rehearsals. So you practice on your own at home. This is this is worth the whole thing right here. And you come together and you rehearse. You put it together. You practice your stuff at home. Can I say this again. Because um, usually, see, see, you practice, and then you rehearse, and then because if, if you don't do that, if you're practicing at rehearsal, then you'll rehearse, you'll put it together in the service. And that doesn't always work as well as it could be. You might be holding some things back. If, if you would have had more of your stuff, own stuff done by yourself, then you come together and put it together, and then when you're in the service, you can actually worship. <laughs> and it still is working musically. That's cool. So... The songs don't exist in a vacuum. They go from one to the other. You can, you can practice going from one song to the next at home and do that four or five times. So you just get that feel right so that when you're doing it, it's just natural. Fun concept? <clears throat> and that's really the least, the least, typically the least rehearsed part of, the least done part of rehearsals is the transitions. The thing is to get from one song to that and to the next, and that's what's going to trip you up. Because if you if you do a bad transition or you start and stop, either a the flows stop for a second, or you're not going to start in, the, in a good tempo and a good feel, and it's going to mess the whole next song up. Has that ever happened to anybody? Okay. So the antidote. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe what I would have done in that. You, you can choose. Yeah, I mean, and like. Again, silence is because we need ear rest. You know, like it, the music will feel special again if there's if there's a break. So silence can be really good. You can it's powerful to use if you're using it. If it's just happening by default, then that can be like awkward. Right? So at some point, you need to make the transition to a new key and a new tempo, right? And so that can either be right then and there, and another another player in this case on um, on keyboard. You could have started right away with a new tempo and a new song, um, and then you could have jumped in when you were ready to, if you were leading the next one. Or you could have kept playing in the same thing while he's doing the switching, and then when he's ready, then you kind of wind down, and then you're just ready to go. Does that make sense? So, and that, and that, I mean, you probably have done that tons of times before. It's just a matter of communicating that, hey, what, what are we going to do here? Because I have to take my capo off, I have to, you know, turn papers around, whatever I need to do, I need to do something. And, you know, keyboard players have the, the luxury of both the sustain pedal and then the music's still going, 
And you can play, you know. Or you had the luxury of one hand. You know, you can do that. A couple chords. It's not as easy, but the guitar players are kind of like, it's more awkward. It doesn't work as well. So even then, practically, if you had said, hey, can you, play, can, you, can you start the next song while I'm switching my music? If you would have said that beforehand, then, then you would have thought, oh, okay, I need to be thinking about that next song before this one is done. And when you're getting, you're getting, you're still playing it, but you're getting towards the end of it, you're starting to play and move, and move a song as you can. Okay, there's the next song. Whenever we're ready, I'm ready for it. And then it stops, transition keys, next song. So, so the antidote is to flow, baby, flow. <laughs> All right, next one is only worship with music when you're on stage. So just go ahead and get professional. Like, not like get technically excellent or a good performer or a skilled leader, but like dutifully, heartlessly, first love, devoid, professional. Um, it, it, all it takes is a long enough timeline when we only engage that part of our hearts uh, when we happen to be on stage. Um, there's this intangible ratio that needs to be true in our lives, and that is secret bigger than public. Or I'll flip this around probably because you're reading from right to left. Secret greater than public. In other words, the time you spend in worship like in music or with your instrument or whatever, needs to be more when people can't see you than when they can see you. And if you're just doing it, and we've probably all been there when you're leading worship or playing on the worship team, if that's the only time that you're spending time with your instrument worshiping, there's going to be this flatness to it or a, a, a veneeredness to it, this lack of reality, this lack of power um, in it. And... Um, it's just, we need to spend time in hiddenness. There's just strength in that. There's power in that. There, it'll make you, uh, you know, you think about David and how much time he spent with the sheep as his audience, you know? Um, anyway, Psalm 84.5 says, How blessed is the man whose strength is in you and whose hearts are highways to Zion. Uh, and so, so what's in your heart as far as, like, how fast... How good of a road, how smooth is it to get from where you, wherever you are to being like consciously in the presence of God with him, worshiping him? I mean, does it take like all this long time? Or can you just, is it like a highway? Or is it like under construction and you're sitting behind a buggy? <laughs> you're like, oh boy, this is going to take a while, you know? You're behind a steam engine. Could be that. Um, so, but it, in, your, in your heart, it's just it's this highway, you know, it says uh, in Isaiah 62.10, walk out. To the, uh, walk out of the gates, get going, get the road ready for the people, build the highway, get at it, clear out the debris, hoist a flag and s- a signal to all peoples. So only worship with, with music when you're on stage. The antidote, antidote to that is spend however many minutes you have um, at church to worship alone several times a week. So let's say if normally worship, the music part of our services go... 30 minutes here, for example, spend at least 30 minutes at home several times a week. Just as an idea, right? Just as, just as a, a starting place to make sure that you're worshiping more in, in, in the secret than you are in the public. The next key, never talk about why you're doing what you're doing. Um, think about stuff you're going to say. Write it down. 
you don't necessarily need to read stuff when you're leading worship, but sometimes when you, when you read it, I mean when you write it down, it'll help you be more concise because you'll already have thought through some things. It'll help you be, um, you know, not say things like, I picked this song because it's neat. <laughs> and then you start going, it's like, ah, okay. Glad you think it's neat. But there's, there can be a moment that you can use to communicate something, to focus something, to, 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 to take us somewhere. Um, and, and learn to verbalize what you're thinking. Why did you put those songs together? What, uh, what, are, the, what are the certain songs mean to you? What, what are some of the imagery, maybe, in the music, in the lyric, mean? How are you connecting with that? Help us get on board. Because sometimes, you know, if we're more artistic, we kind of get some stuff that people out here are like, I don't know why they're saying that. It just sounds like poetry, and I don't get poetry. You know, but sometimes there's just something you can, you can just share. That like, this is what I'm connecting in my heart to as I'm singing this. This is what I'm thinking. Um, and then there's things like, you know, so so like in the song, you guys do How He Loves here. And that's got so much, Im- well, what does it mean uh, when it says, if grace is an ocean, then we're all sinking? Does that mean we're going to die? What, is, what, what does that mean? You know, and, and can I give just one thing about that? that gets people in touch with where my heart goes in that, in that moment, why I wanted to sing that song, and I can't wait to sing. Because oh. every time I sing How He Loves, I think about how this other thing that I think is sometimes true in my life is not true, and His love covers that. So anyway, thinking about those kinds of things, or, or then even things like um, um, what things mean, like the song uh, Your Love is Amazing, Steady and Unchanging, you know? Hallelujah. Like we learned on Sunday... Halal and Yahweh is that compound word meaning praise the Lord, and it's crazy praise the Lord. You know, your love makes me sing. That's that's what we're singing when we're singing hallelujah, and that, that changes some of the feel of that song, right, if we understand that. So the antidote is to verbalize what's meaningful to you personally. Verbalize what's meaningful to you personally. Uh, the next one we covered on Sunday at church already, rely uh, on what you learned as a child about church or worship. This will make you laugh. <laughs> this is, well, it will make you laugh or cry, one of the two. And I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't see it at work here. This is a cool church. Um, so, but this is, this is just for grins, right? This is from a Baptist church website. And this, I'm not, I couldn't make this up. I was half laughing and half crying when I read this. I have to put on a stern face to read this, though, <laughs> and I can't. Uh, every child is capable of sitting quietly in church. He should sit still. He should look at the pastor or whoever's in front of the church. If the church stands up to sing, he should stand up. If the church stands up to pray, he should stand up with his eyes closed. Before the sermon, he should keep his hands at his sides or in his lap. During the sum- sermon, he should ho- be holding a Bible without pictures He shouldn't be getting up to go to the restroom or to get a drink. He shouldn't be speaking to anyone, even if in whispers. He shouldn't be looking around. He shouldn't be playing with his shoes, his ears, his face, or a Bible. He should just be sitting quietly, paying attention. (laughs) What? (laughs) I was like, I could not believe that was actually there. Uh, Yeah. On a church website. Well, and this might have been the same church, but I think, yeah, no, it is the same church. It says, sing with the adults if it is appropriate, but don't sing in too loud of a voice if you're not familiar with the song or if you simply cannot carry a tune. (laughs) 
the antidote for these people and for us is to study the Bible to learn about acceptable worship. <sighs> okay, next thing, to be ineffective, don't require anything. You don't want to require anything. But 1 Corinthians uh, 12 from the message, there's a verse in it that says, I love this, each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it and everyone benefits. And that is, is such a great foundational thing about when we get together and have church, each person has been given something, some unique thing that shows who God is. It's, it's In the other versions, it's... Um, um, we all have different gifts, but the same God. It's that whole that whole uh, scripture in there. It, I can't remember what if it's verse. It's from First Corinthians twelve. Um, I don't have the exact verse, but um, I want to suggest that our best worship experiences are shared worship experiences. And two chapters down in First Corinthians fourteen twenty five, it says, "When you come together, everyone participates. It's an all play." Um, there's a reason you're not in just your separate houses, right? There's a reason that we're not in separate rooms in the church. We're all in this one big room. Why do we do that? Because when we all get together, there's something about us sharing in that. Um, we talked a little bit on Sunday about the story of, of AJ and how you know he, he said, hey, look, you can have this, King David. This is yours. And David was like, no, I'm not going to offer a sacrifice that isn't a sacrifice. Uh, I'm not going to worship God with something that, that costs me nothing. Um, so, so we see that as, a, as one of the examples and models of worship that is, is that it costs something. So, so if we don't require anything, then we're, we're helping people miss out on a whole lot of opportunity to give. Um, so require personal offering is the antidote for that. Require personal offering. Next one is tightly connect. What did you have a question? <laughs> this is a this is a peaceful church, right? Um, I would love him, no. um, I, but you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not. It's so like moment specific. Um, I, I think I think generically, it's I think it's fine to to, to give kind of group directions. There's. Here's, I guess, here, let, me, let me answer the question this way. Good. I, sometimes I, I'm an external processor, and so I, if I talk about it, then I can figure out what I'm talking about. Sorry for these. You have to listen to what, what I'm saying. But One of the, huh? Thinking out loud. Thinking out loud, yeah. One of the, one of the best ways of, of deciding what to do when you're here is to remember what it feels like when you're there and when you're being led. And, and what have been moments where you're like, man, what that leader did just, it made me, it made me really engage in, in a way that I, I wouldn't have otherwise, you know. And so, so anytime anybody's like, come on, sing out, I'm like, really? I want to sing, and, but don't, like, beat me, come on. You know, or if there's like, uh, so if you guys want to maybe, I don't know, stand, um, you can just kind of do whatever you want to. I'm like, really? Isn't there any sense of purpose that you have that's unique from the Lord for this moment? Is that all the better that you came up with? <laughs> you know? But, but, but there's been times where somebody will, like, you know, in the thing that they'll do, they'll have us, you know, say something or read a scripture or something that, they'll, that, that they don't need to tell me exactly what to do. They have just somehow connected me and focused my attention on the Lord. And then I'll respond. So, 
So I, I think a lot of times, you know, and, and I used to lead a lot more often than I do now. I still lead a lot now, but there was a season where I didn't, several years where I didn't lead very much at all. And that really shaped my leadership because I wasn't always up there. And I had to be here and had to be, had to feel what it's like to be led. So I think that would take us a long way if we would remember what it feels like and what we've seen and observed that has been helpful and do those kinds of things. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I think I just I think a key component is is requirement. Is what am I requiring people to do? So you know, like sometimes you know you start off and you have this big song and it's energetic and everything. But one of the things that really gets people to is to have them sing where they're carrying it, not the band. You know, just even a cappella or something real small. Because man, there and it, and it works for me. But I've I've led it like that and I've been led like that where it's just like. In that moment, man, I'm just, you don't need to tell me anything, but we're all singing together, and it's, it's a, a real clear sense that it's us together. It's not people performing and we get to sing along. It's just us together because it's, it's musically our voices are required to make it work for us to sing. You know, so starting off in ways, you know, there's, there's lots of creative ways you can do it, but the, but the requirement piece, the, the setting that tone, whether it's standing up or whether it's, you know, Okay, I want, can everybody put their right hand up in the air and say, you know, yes. We don't know what to, to what yet, but we're just going to say yes. We're just going to start off by saying yes. I don't know. And then go into trading my sorrows. Whatever. But it's just something, something that, that, it, that requires me to do something. I think there's like, you know, sometimes concerts... Are, are better experiences somehow psychologically because we had to pay for a ticket. And if it's a free concert, it's like, eh, it's a free concert. You know? But, but there's something about the requirement that, that, that makes us bring more. So how, whatever creative way you want to do that in. I don't want, I don't, I, and part of me probably really doesn't want to give you an answer. <laughs> Tightly connect what you do with who you are. That will make you a big flopping uh, roller coaster case. Tightly connect what you do with who you are. Once you're done writing, put your hands like this, please. This is a kinesth- for all you kinesthetic learners. You're about to get happy. Yeah, <laughs> and especially for you. <laughs> You can either you can either put this hand in first or this hand in first. Either either one is fine, or you can do them together. Um, so so these two hands represent um, uh, what you do and who you are. Your 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 right hand is kind of usually it's the hand of doing. You know, you swing a hammer, you write. Maybe you're left-handed, then this is backwards for you. But this is what you can accomplish. And this is what you set out and you, you do. You work at every time, and sometimes you do an awesome job. Right, and sometimes you just you do a lousy job. Has anybody ever done not done a lousy job? That's right. Your hands are down because you've done a lousy lousy job at something, at some point in your life. But this hand here is is who God says you are. This is this hand represents your worth as a child of God. This this hand represents um, how He feels about you, how He loves you, and this hand it never changes. Right. I can't do anything 
anything to make God love me more or less. He just he's just crazy about me, and he says that I'm I'm worth it. And when we have these things together, you know, and we do a great job, we start to get heady because we think like suddenly we're worth more, and it's like, oh yeah, man, I am awesome. I did well. We wouldn't say that, <laughs> but we feel that inside, right? Like, yeah, that was good. But then the conversely, when we eventually, at some point, either make a mistake or screw up or blow it or whatever, we feel like well, we're not worth anything. We're not lovable. We, we just stink as a person. We're not any good. And so you go up and down because you know, your, your performance is just going to do this. It's just, you know, you try, to, you try to be consistent, but this is just happening all the time. And this is, have you ever been around somebody that's like this? You ever been this person where you're just up and down and, and some days you're great to be around and some days you're, you're horrible and the world is ending? And, and sometimes what you need to just, you need to, hold on, what you need to do is ah, pull your hands apart and just realize that this, this doesn't change and this is going to go up and down, great, bad, medium. That was pretty good. It was really good. It was awesome. It was kind of lame. It was horrible. This didn't change. And so the antidote to keeping your hands together and tight, connecting who you are to what you do is taking your hands apart and keeping that, keeping that separate. Realizing that, that I, I am not what I do. I am who I am, who he says that I am. And I do what I do. Those are separate. Yeah? And tying into that or kind of even explaining that further is, is the idea that you should try to earn your approval. If, if you try to work at being obedient through the law, you'll try to define your identity by your good works. Um, and if you pursue obedience through knowing, before knowing your identity, then your good works or your, or your obedience will become your identity rather than who the Father says that you are. Um, I think this is something I'll, I'm going to talk about, a little bit about on Sunday, so I won't go into super more detail with that, even... Um, um, but C.J. Mahaney says, um, legalism is seeking to achieve forgiveness from God and acceptance by God through obedience to God. In other words, a legalist is anyone who behaves as, as if they can earn God's approval and forgiveness through personal performance. And the pattern that we see in Scripture is, is beautifully opposite of that. Um, you know, the, Jesus came to be baptized at the river, right? And John was going to baptize him. And um, you hear this voice from heaven that says, This is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him, right? Jesus hadn't turned water into wine, hadn't healed the sick, hadn't raised the dead, hadn't do and done anything yet. He hadn't performed anything in ministry yet. He was just, just getting started. This new guy, you know? New guy on the block, nothing under his belt, nothing that could like prove. And his father says, I am well pleased with you. He, he, he kind of gave him that, that approval before he had done anything. Um, and so, so the, antidote to, uh, the antidote to earning our approval or trying to earn our approval is to just be a son or be a daughter. Just be who we are and, and learn to, to grow in... in um, who he says that we are. And now some questions and answers. It's, it's, you know, I, I always encourage um, 
thinking about things beforehand so you can be precise. If you do say something, you know, I mean, because sometimes, sometimes we need to be told, look, just shut up and sing. You know, I mean, stop talking and just sing because the, the songs will carry themselves and you're doing more disruptiveness by talking incessantly because yeah, you can definitely go there. Um, but then sometimes people get up, hey, everybody stand up, and they don't say anything for the whole time. And there's nothing to, there's no kind of, there's no leadership given other than just musically and a little bit of modeling, but there's no like verbal leadership. So it's a, it's a balance, but yeah, but, but you, I, again, you know, I'm, I'm trying to require things from people. I'm trying to set expectations. I'm trying to point God out. I'm trying to take us down the road somewhere. And so sometimes I'm, that might mean saying something. Um, but it's not like, okay, I need to explain every song. <laughs> you know, I need to tell you, you know, this story I read about Fanny Crosby when she wrote this hymn. And the next song we're doing is, uh, can we just worship? So, so it, it's really, it's really an art form. You know, how much to say, and it's well, it's an art form. Yes, as a as a presenter, as a communicator, as a as a leader. But but way more than that, it's a, what am I hearing God say? You know, what am I seeing the Father doing, and how am I doing that? That's, that trumps it every time. What am I seeing the Father doing? What am I hearing him say? And how can I help us get there? And what would that look like? So sometimes that'll be in saying something. Sometimes that'll be creating space. Sometimes that'll be somehow requiring people to do something. I mean, the the best the the best times that we have together are when people are activated, and sometimes they come and they're just they're ready, and sometimes they've had you know they haven't plugged in all week, and they need to plug in for a while, and their battery gets up to like five percent before it can even do anything. So, yeah, Practice as a team, too. Like musically? Yeah, sure. I mean, yes, there's two, two, two things that I probably use the most. One is... When, when, when you start looking at, at, at songs and finding their patterns, finding the chord progression patterns in them, rather than just seeing a, you know, a page full of chords that you're just, okay, what's the next chord? Next chord, next chord, next chord. And there's no like, connection to them. Once you start seeing, like, oh, well, this repeats you know, D to G to B minor to A, you know, in this section, in this section, in this section. Okay, so that's like a, one of the patterns. And then the chorus is a different pattern. You know, it goes to B minor, to G, to D, or whatever. So you can, you can those, are, those are kind of like uh, possibilities. Those are like the first possibilities for me if I'm thinking, because the spontaneous prophetic stuff happens out of something. Doesn't, sometimes it happens just 
from scratch, but usually it comes out of something. Um, so I'll kind of identify, okay, so let's, let's use this progression here, and we're just going to vamp. We're just going to play that progression a couple times that we just have been playing in a song and keep going and, and see what God is saying, see what, you know, I, I love, I mean, the church that we've been at for five years, Life Center, they're, they, the, 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 the culture is that the song starts after the song is over, kind of. Like, they're always looking for a place to go deep, whether it's in the middle of the song or at the end of the song. It's just like, you get to the end of the song and you stop. And there's, it never stops. It just kind of lingers for a little bit. And then maybe it's like, you know what, I'm going to go back into that same progression that I was just playing, or I'm going to go into the chorus. And sometimes maybe I'll hum the chorus so that the team, or I'll tell, the, tell them, hey, play this, you know, I'll just, I'll sing off of the mic and say, you know, whatever the chorus, and just start playing that, and they'll follow along. Um, so, I, so using what I was just in a lot. Um, beyond that, there's a lot of, once you start thinking again, in terms of theory, in terms of patterns, like Roman numerals, rather than just, okay, let's play a D and a G here. I might be thinking that, but I'm saying, or I'm, I might be saying that, but I'm thinking uh, a one and a four chord, and we're going to go back between one and a four, back and forth, and just play those two chords back and forth. And then, or maybe it's like, oh, no, I want to go up to the six, so let's go one, four, six, five. Let's do that. So that would be D, G, uh, E minor, no, that's six, one, uh, D, G, B minor, A. And let's play that through. So there are like certain progressions that make it easy. I mean, I actually, I actually have a list of open worship chord progressions that are like, um, like you know, your regular. Is this on here? No. Yes. So there's like um, my one chord. four chord, which is a G to a C. And this is probably the most common open worship chord progression in the world, right, in the history of the universe. Because it's just, you can sing every note. And, and, I'm, and maybe you noticed, maybe you didn't, I'm keeping the G in the bass to keep that kind of a pedal tone so it's easier for people to sing. And that feels different than if I go... on the G it's easy to what's that yeah the, the pedal tones so um, I mean if you want I can send you that list of again it has I think it has both like the Roman numerals and then you can translate into like the actual chords and that's like a theory Thing that might be like over everybody's head, but I mean, I can send you that just for ideas. <laughs> um, but but yeah, but but by and large, even even well, yeah, the one to the four, you know. So in the key of C, it's C and F, or in the key of D, it's D and G, or in the key of G, it's G and C, like I just played. That that's a real common turnaround. It also sounds a lot like the yeah the suspended chord, the suspended root chord. So, um, but but 
but probably more often than not, it's some little progression that was in the song that is natural. Maybe it's the intro chords. I just play that. I, the, the biggest thing is just to is just to is to create a, create space for that to happen, you know, and know that like, hey, I don't know where in this song we're gonna go somewhere, but just be watching because this song is probably gonna lend itself to kind of hanging out for a while, you know, or I'll, like I'll tell a drummer that I'll that I'm playing with, you know, hey, look, don't end the song until you are sure. Like I'll give you a look, like this is the end of the song, because otherwise I just always want you to kind of come to it and just keep something happening so that there's, you know, there's just that, that flow is created, you know. Cool? Okay, good. Yeah. Another kind of odd question. This is something I really struggle with when doing singing songs and stuff. Do you have any, like, Start where Chris Tomlin is and then take the capo off. Just kidding. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a big. I mean, that's key and tempo are two huge things for picking a good starting point. Um, one of the things is, is is being able to look at it and say, okay, what is what is the range? Is this like, is this a four note range or five note range or is this a whole octave range? You know, this is one of those crazy songs that's got like, it's going to be stretching us no matter what because you're screaming at the chorus and you're growling at the verses. It's just that kind of song. So sometimes I'll I'll, I'll put it in a key that I can't sing the verses, but a girl we'll be able to sing it perfectly and they'll be like in a sweet part of their range and then I can come in and do the the chorus and it's perfect sometimes it's the opposite way um, but but so so figuring out first of all what the range is cuz cuz you can get and get to know where your range is and typically like congregationally um, we don't usually go and there's and in talking about ranges, there's there's two two ranges. One is is the the highest note of the song, and the other is is where the song is often in the high range. So I can get away with sometimes singing an E, um, which is pretty high for congregational singing. But if it stays up around E a lot, forget. It. I mean, it's just no no no. It's too, it's too high. Maybe C is probably a better idea. But knowing. You know, figuring out and plunking on the keyboard, you know, or whatever, finding out what the actual range is. And so, so for me, like, I usually stay within, like, a D to a D as kind of a default. You know, that's, that's where I want to stick in. And so I... Song select? I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not always possible to sing, to sing it where there's power in your own voice. And depending on what your own range is, you know, you might be limited, and 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 then have to be more creative in saying, okay, well, I'm going to have, I'm always going to sing this with somebody else, sing, sing it with me, because 
The song, the song is great, but I just can't, I can't sing it on both ends. <laughs> um, Do you, do you like sing it out at home or are you just kind of like basically play through it and kind of sing quietly? Because that can... And even, I mean, sometimes if, I'll, if I'm picking stuff early in the morning, I'm like, oh, well, my voice is not warmed up. I can't even hit that. That's No, I can't, can't do it. But I get here, you know, and I'm singing. It's like, it's fine. You know, it's well within my range, but... So, so being aware of yourself, being aware of where you, where your voice is, if it's warmed up or not, and then kind of kind of making yourself do an honest performance of it to see if yeah this this does fit within my my range, um, uh, and and yeah looking at it really like um, logically saying okay well this goes up to to D. Okay, I can. I, I know myself now. That's fine. It goes down to like you know a low a low D or C. It goes down to B. It's like oh okay, this is not going to be good. So, um, what else? If you have the privilege of having a spouse that listens to you sing sometimes, and you know, it's like that's that's too. That could be a humbling and good experience. <laughs> you're like, I mean, that's, and that happens. I was like, hey, Dave, um, you sound like you're straining. Like she's in another room. And I'm like, shoot, she's right, you know. I mean, that's a good, it's a help, helpful to have outside feedback. Sometimes it's built in. Sometimes it's, you know, like I, or sometimes you're, you, you're not sure. You can't work it out yourself. Come with two different different uh, come prepared you know with two different keys and then say hey guys does this sound okay if not switch it um, and typically yeah t- uh, all, all joking aside typically congregational is about two whole steps down from where it's recorded and so much stuff is being recorded in B right now I don't know why they just capo on four and play it in G so it's it's that's like a B is a real common key that it's recorded in but and see sometimes, and they do that so that they, they often have a little bit higher voices than most of us, and and you get a certain energy when you're almost screaming. Controlled shouting, my teacher in college used to say. So, but but, yeah, a good rule of thumb would be to, to knock it down a whole step. I mean, sorry, two whole steps. Four frets on the guitar. Is there anything else about? And look at it. Yeah. Yeah, we have, you have to know again. You know, you're 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 wanting to create a space where people can worship. You know, and there's times where I want them to to have to sing like they're shouting, and it's probably too high for most of them. But it it's just good for us to you know 
he loves us, oh, you know, if it's too low, then we, then we, then we sing it, he loves us, not really excited about that, but he loves us, it didn't really change my life, and he loves, oh, no, steam engine, <laughs> so, you know, but then, but then, yeah, you, you don't want people growling, you know, and like trying to, anyway, so, you have to be aware of what. Yeah. Well, here's here's a, a good trick that you, you can a good way to help people get it and not freak out about it the first time. Sometimes, like I just taught, um, what's it called? God, God is coming. Really cool song. Here we go. Can I borrow your guitar? Yeah. Did two people say yeah? It's just, whose guitar is this? Um, the song is, I usually do it in A. Um, and it, uh, the chorus goes, Cause, uh, Here you comes, running to find me. And I'm a step lower than the recording is. King of the universe, yes, our God is the God who saves. It's kind of high. If you would sing along right now, you'd be a little bit yelling it, right? It's like, ah. So when I taught this song, though, I was, I think I was, I was playing in, in, uh, in E. And so I said, hey, we're going to learn a new song together today, whatever, however I, I set it up. And the chorus goes like this. Here you come, running to find me. In a totally different key. King of the universe. Yes, our God is the God who saves. Much lower range. And did that twice. And it, uh, forever glorious, forever glorious. Yes, our God is the God who saves. I started the intro to the song in a new key, in a real, real key, so that then suddenly, but then when they get to the chorus, they're not thinking of like, oh my goodness, this is so high. They've already kind of found it and learned it because we played it maybe twice through the chorus to get it going. And it was like, oh, I can sing that. But, you know, because once you're going, it's got this, um, uh, in this moment, here I am. It's kind of a, it's kind of a while before it gets there, and it builds a lot. You know, the the, the verses are kind of small. Uh, in this moment, here I am. Another is in your hands. You should want my heart, so I will wait. The pre-chorus for my God is coming. We can hear the heavens roar. Hold on, get ready for the glory of the Lord. Here he comes running. And by then, like you've gone so far and it's kind of built up that it makes sense to like really sing that out. And there'll be enough energy built up into it that it will have a lot more likelihood of working. You know, than if you just 
Because if, if, if I was going to teach the chorus and would just start like this, the chorus goes like this. Here he comes running to find me. You know, people are like, oh, that's too high. I can't do it. Right? So teach it lower, and then when you're actually doing it in the energy and the moment of the song, you can, you can be higher. Maybe we'll have to do that all night, some other night. Just, that would be fun to like just talk music stuff like that and ideas and 